Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely their fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Superlight Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Superlight shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Welcome, welcome to the Politics and Bros podcast. This is episode number three, where Hal and I will discuss what the GOP is going to look like in a post-Trump world. We also touch on the news of the week. We hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for stopping by. Hello there, Howell. Hey, Pete. How you doing? How you doing, man? I am good. I'm great. How about yourself? You know, I'm doing. I'm doing pretty well. Has it had a full weekend? My in-laws celebrated their fiftieth uh, wedding anniversary, and uh, uh, it was my mom's birthday on Saturday. Uh, I did not see my mom, but you know, happy okay. birthday to her. Just and a happy anniversary to my in-laws. Well, yeah, sounds like a lot to celebrate. Did you watch that uh, Presbyterian Notre Dame game tonight? How surviving. <laughs> I did, I did not. Uh, I'm assuming that Presbyterian, who apparently is averaging 60 points a game, uh, but giving up an average of 78 points a game, probably did not win that that closely watched ACC matchup, even though PC does not play in the ACC. For, for those who don't know, Pete is a graduate of Presbyterian College, and his wife went to Notre Dame, uh, yes. and they played in basketball tonight. And I'm sure it was very tense, uh, tense evening. Mm-hmm in waiting the outcome of that game but um you know glad to see you guys guys stuck together after that we made it through we made a, it through a, absolutely a lesser couple would have, would not have survived so congrats to you thank you i appreciate I that i don't man. even know who won or what happened but uh um yeah. you know i don't even care enough to look up who won yeah. quite frankly <laughs> but um I, honestly i didn't even know the pc still had a basketball team yeah so neither, neither did anyone else that's good. Um, so, so yeah, lots has happened since we last talked. I know. This is uh, the Politics and Bros podcast, uh, episode number three. Good stuff. Yeah, um, we're hoping to make you know, it to four. Hoping to make it to four. Well, uh, let's yeah. let's kick into some news of the day. Um, and, you know, this is something we were talking about. The, the big news is Iowa. A big poll just came out. The Iowa caucus is coming up in uh, January. Mm-hmm. So, uh, our you know, my boy... Pete Buttigieg, Mayor Pete, is yep. leading in the polls. Can you believe this? Uh, well, I am a bit surprised. Yes. Also, um, <laughs> May- Mayor of South Bend, which is Notre Dame. So you know, which is Notre Dame? Notre Dame theme tonight, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, for the record, Howell hates Notre Dame, but that's I, okay. I, for the record, I do not hate Notre Dame, but I did, <laughs> I did go grow up going to Catholic school uh, as a non-Catholic. So I heard a lot about Notre Dame. So I kind of just grew tired of Notre Dame. 
Ah, but it's a very fine subtle difference and with a lot of well-respected alumni and a great mayor of the town that it is in. Um, so yeah, Pete, Mayor Pete. Um, yeah, I think it's big news. Uh, a lot of people were very concerned that he, you know, was kind of positioning himself for as a future face of the Democratic Party. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of using this to raise his profile, maybe even get a position in the administration, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> but I think what it may really say is that, you know, there there's a big desire for a moderate message, kind of uh, compassionate, but sort of thoughtful, judicious message uh that's center left and that it's a very appealing in this current climate and you know i i i personally welcome the news i think it makes the democratic chances stronger and um yeah i think it's 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 interesting uh, and we'll see where it goes if he can sustain it. a lot of people have won iowa or had leads at this time and and not even won iowa and not gone on mm-hmm. to get the nomination but um, I think as a general, general, you know, what can we take from it? It's, it's, I think it's positive and good news. What about yourself? Well, I think it's, you know, this was a CNN poll that was done. And, and the, the, the biggest and most interesting thing is that since September, he has surged 16 points in the polls. Yeah. Um, and Elizabeth Warren and Joe Biden have both dropped. Um, you know, it's got Buttigieg, then Warren, then Biden, then Sanders. And well, mm-hmm. Biden and Sanders are actually tied for third, but, um, Warren is down six points from that September, last September poll. Biden's down five. Bernie's actually up four to make it to third place. So, mm-hmm. um, it's showing that Buttigieg is investing a lot of time and re- and money and resources in Iowa. He's doing the same from what I've been reading in New Hampshire. I think he's actually second in the polls in New Hampshire for the first primary. Um, so I think it's, that's awesome. And I think I was listening to um, an interview, actually it wasn't an interview, it was a podcast with uh, Michael Moynihan from Vice News. And he's been doing this tour of trying to talk to Trump voters in bluer areas. He actually went mm-hmm. to some neighborhoods of Brooklyn trying to find uh, Trump supporters. I think he found eight over like a four day span. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was in Baltimore doing the same thing in Fells Point. And he talked to a guy about, it was a Trump supporter. He was actually wearing apparently homemade Trump 2020 um golf uh, polo, which I think is hilarious in itself. Homemade. Um, homemade. <laughs> but um, he said his second choice, yeah, his second choice is Pete Buttigieg to Donald Trump um, because they share the same energy kind of, they're going to go in and, you know, screw up the, not screw up the system, but shake up the place. And that's kind of what was appealing to him about Trump in 2016. So Buttigieg does come in with that youthful energy and, you know, unlike Trump, it's an honest energy and it comes from an honest place. And he's right. a very earnest guy and intellectual and speaks 25 languages or whatever it is that he speaks. Has a um, background. Has this, yeah, he's a military guy, you know, did tours in Iraq and Afghanistan. And I think, uh, but it was interesting to see that it is a Trump supporter supports Buttigieg too because of that, you know, yeah. youthful, like maybe inex- youthful inexperience. And might be interesting to understand that Trump voter a little bit more, but, um, Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, regardless, it, I think the point is that like, there's a, a, an energy and an enthusiasm that he's tapping into. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. You know, he's my, he's my first choice, honestly. 
uh, even regardless of me being a Republican, I think Buttigieg mm-hmm. is the the best uh, the best man for the job at this point. And even though he's got a decidedly progressive agenda, it's a little bit more moderate. And when it when you put it in comparison to Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders, it's you know he does want to get to a Medicare for all, but he's not going to try and just jump into the deep end of the pool. He wants to do the public option figure things out and do it in sort of a judicious way instead of just like, you know, going all in on something that quite frankly, probably isn't going to work the way that Warren and Sanders envision. But so I like that about him. Yeah. I think I've heard him say that he really dislikes sort of the, the hubris of kind of Mm -hmm. the way Warren and Sanders talk about Medicare for all and that they know what's best for everyone. Um, and you know, they're going to disband, uh, you're going to lose your private insurance or whatever. Uh, whereas he's like, you know, I don't, I, I want to give the option. I want people to decide what's best for them. But yeah, I think at the very least we should have, you know, sort of this, this single provider or whatever you call it. Um, but the point is that, you know, he, he wants to put the decision in people's hands, just give them more options. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think it's a very, it's a very humble sort of, uh, sort of outlook and, and, and yeah, I think it's, I think people are finding it appealing and I think it just goes to show that, you know, having an appealing message, uh, and going out and doing the work, um, can get you, get you a long ways. So let's see what happens. You know, personally, I think Medicare for all is a horrible idea, but at least he recognizes that you, like I said, you can't just jump into the deep end of the pool and go for it. You, you got to build up for it and build up to something. Right. But and so with all that in mind, the poll came out and two people that weren't on the poll that are now, well, one of them's not really in the race yet, but probably going to get in. So former Massachusetts governor, Devil Patrick, uh, Devil Patrick. And, did you just call him Devil uh, Patrick? I did say Devil Patrick. I, I know. It's because I was just reading it off a screen. So that's just how it <laughs> phonetically it came to me. Devil Patrick and then former New York City subtle, mayor. Subtle messages. <laughs> I'm not trying to bring the man down. He seems very, he seems very nice. Uh, and then Michael Bloomberg, former New York mayor. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what to think of this. I, I know that there, I'm sure like every election cycle, there's a subset of the voter pool that it wishes there was another candidate there that they could get behind because they're not mm-hmm. satisfied. I don't know what percentage that is. I'm, I'm assuming it's pretty small, but what, I mean, do you think there's something missing from the democratic field that two more people need to jump in who are, you know, Bloomberg is a former Republican. Right. He is, I mean, he's one of the original like nanny state uh, mayors. He tried to impose the soda tax. I don't know. I'm not even sure if he was successful doing that in New York city, but he tried to ban salt in restaurants. You know, he, anytime he read that there was something you know, causing, you know, some sort of health crisis, he wanted to ban it immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was obesity or heart disease. Um so there's that, and but he was a former Republican. Now he's apologizing for the whole stop and frisk, and I'm sure he's upsetting a whole bunch of New York City cops with that. Deval Patrick was a pretty successful governor in, in Massachusetts, and sort of like Barack Obama Part Two. He seemed he's that type of you know he could be that type of figure. Um, I don't know if he's got the same electricity as as President Obama, but yeah. you know it's out there. But what do you think? Is, do you think there's something missing that these guys need to come out now? Yeah, I'll tell you what I think. I think. If you could see my eyes right now, they're rolling back in my head. That's what I think. <laughs> I think. Like, yawn. Come on, guys. Like, yeah, I get what they're trying to do, but like, yeah. If it, why did you not? Why? Why are you just now jumping in? Like, we're we're yeah. what are we? Six weeks less from than a Iowa? year. Six weeks from Iowa. Like, yeah. Um, you know, uh, you can't just like 
jump in and expect things are going to go your way. I mean, I don't know. I, is Bloomberg just kind of like a an older Buttigieg? Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, you know, someone who who is younger than Biden, older than Buttigieg, but kind of carries that center left message. And he's, I mean, yeah, he has experience um, running New York, but like, uh, and I think he was largely perceived as having a successful tenure, but um, I don't know, it's just kind of like, you know, rich guy runs for office, rich, successful businessman runs for office. Like, do we need that again? I think we're realizing that like, you know, maybe that wasn't the best choice um, with Donald Trump. Um, mm. And then I don't know enough about Deval Patrick, but again, it's like, what 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 role are you trying to play at this point? I mean, yeah. you haven't built in you haven't built any you you haven't built your message you haven't you know done the ground game you're just kind of fracturing an already fractured uh, pool and right. uh, we saw what happened four years ago when there was you know a fractured pool and kind of nobody nobody was able to to gather enough votes to put down the the, the trump run and right. just kind of i i just i don't know i i think it's it's kind of like too little too late in my book yeah and I, I watched uh governor patrick's uh announcement video that's up on his website now and it's it, he's got a great story i mean he was he was born in very you know very poor family in south side of chicago was the first in his family to go to college and then to law school Obviously, was served in the um, in the um, Massachusetts, I believe, House of Representatives, and ultimately became governor. So it's a great story. But sure. his video Lots is so great stories. Lots of people have great stories, but his video was so low energy. Like I, I don't even know what he was trying to go for in that, other than yeah. telling his story and sort of introducing himself to voters, which is of course important. But there's got to be something more in there, and I, I just I I don't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, like, um, maybe like in his ear. Selling, I, I just don't understand. Like there, no one was really. I, you know what? I never heard. God, I wish Deval Patrick was in the race. Like no one, <laughs> no one was, no one was out there. Said no one ever. Yeah, right. No one was out there pining for him to get in the race. Unlike, you know, I, I people. I think there were people out there who wanted Bloomberg in, but still, it's just like, yeah. you know, I think it's, it's too little, too late. So. Yeah. Well, and the, and the advantage that Bloomberg has is he has you know fifty Money. billion dollars right. in net worth. And he can fund the whole thing himself. So if he if he decides to finally get in, yeah, um, go all in on it. But yeah. well, I think we feel the same way. I think yeah. there's they're not they're not filling any void. They're, whatever the void they're trying to fill, it doesn't exist. Yeah, for sure. So moving on, and um, yeah. some more news that's I think I think kind of political, but in sort of a weird way. Um, former uh, 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. And his tryout happened, but didn't didn't happen, but happened over the weekend. Did you follow this yeah. at all? I think Colin Kaepernick is gift a very gifted athlete, and prob and probably could be, or probably should be on on an NFL roster um, at least yeah. at the very least. Have you as taken a, a look at some of the quarterbacks out there these days, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, right. But the NFL is a business. Nobody wants to do anything that's bad for business. And unfortunately, I think Colin Kaepernick is bad for business. And I think that's why he's not getting picked up by a team. I don't think there's a vast conspiracy against him to keep him out of the league. I just think, you know, there are ways to do, uh, you know, social justice and there are ways to be an activist and still, you know, not be bad for business. And I don't think he knows how to do that. Um, I think 
there's a lot of other NFL players that are able to, to participate in nonprofits or, you know, social activism and not piss off an entire fan base, right or wrong, right or wrong. Obviously this, you know, I'm not getting into whether or not he was right to kneel during a national anthem or whatnot. That's not the point here. Um, I just think that that's from the perspective of the teams. Why would you want to put him on your roster? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think winning cares all. And if, if he could actually You're right. help, help people win, um, you know, well, and that's uh, that, that takes you to the next logical thing, though, right? Like, what if what if somebody signs him and he ends up sucking? Who has yeah. more to lose, the NFL, the team that signed him, or Colin Kaepernick? So, does he even really want to get picked up? Because that's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of pressure. Because if you don't come in and deliver after this three years of buildup and you know complaining and desire and wanting to be on a team, and then you blow it you're just going to give your critics way more. And it's not, that shouldn't be an excuse for him not to go for it, but you're going to, yeah. he's going to give his critics more ammunition. If he's not the perfect quarterback in the perfect years, player. How many years was Michael Vick out of, out of football before he came back? I, I, it, I don't remember, but I mean, he came back and kind of electrified the NFL for, um, yeah, for a couple of seasons, but, I think he also had the repentance story going, you know, he'd done mm-hmm. his time and, uh, yeah. uh, and America loves a good, you know, comeback story. I think, uh, Kaepernick is still very much, you know, um, unrepentant, I would say. And not that he should be, I, I mean, but right. a lot, to a lot of people, a lot of people feel he should, you know, kind of chime or, you know, kind of withhold his, his viewpoints or his stances, but I mean, generally uh, with Cap, I think I told you this earlier. Is I'm like, really? Like, is this? It's just like, really, America? I mean, <laughs> I, is this really what we're talking about? Like, of all the things we got going on, like, what? Why? You know? Yeah, I. I mean. Um, police vi- police brutality and police violence is definitely a conversation worth having. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think it's a difficult conversation and, but like, really is, I just, I'm just so tired of talking about Colin Kaepernick. And so, yeah. um, you know, when I heard he was trying out, I was like, really, again, we're going to go, we're going to, we're going to spin this up for, good couple of weeks and have people outraged on both sides and you know it's just like at this point it's such a polarizing he's such a polarizing figure it's like why you know he's almost doing more harm than good just by yeah by he's a distraction well it's a distraction right yeah like it's not at this point you don't even have the conversation that you're supposed to be having that he wanted to have it's more about him and right yeah you know what I I i mean so like like I just again another something to to roll my eyes about at this point. Anyway, so um, topic of the week last week you picked, so I'm picking this time. Yes, yes. So it it is my it is a question that I've had on my mind, and and it's good because I think the impeachment proceedings from the last last week and into this week play into the the question on what is the future of the GOP in a post Trump era. And this is something that I've been sort of 
wondering what's going to happen. You've got some leaders in the GOP um, coming out talking about what that is. Uh, most recently, Senator Marco Rubio from Florida did a did a speech at Catholic University in D.C. talking about what that looked like and how there needs to be a focus. Oh, the cap capitalism needs to focus more on the worker now. Uh, are going forward. And he hasn't really fleshed out what exactly that means just yet. I'm sure he's just kind of test running a lot of the speech and what it's supposed to look like, but it's good to know that he's thinking about this. And there are leaders like him that do think about this sort of thing. Ben Senator Ben Sass from Nebraska being another one, but then you watch the contrast of that versus some of the house guys at house intelligence committee who are handling the impeachment proceedings. And you see Jim Jordan, and Devin Nunes, and then even now the rising star, I think she's been a rising star, but now she's much more in the face. Um, Congresswoman Elise Stefanik of New York mm -hmm. kind of becoming this. It, I don't know. I don't think she's as much doing it for Trump as much as she's pushing back on the theater of this whole thing. And I do think most of the impeachment proceeding is political theater at this point. Um, because is, it really hasn't She's pushing back changed. on theater by, by having theater of her own. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I could be wrong, but I think that's kind of what's happening. Um, but that, yeah, but it doesn't change the fact that she is perceived the outrage machine. Um, yeah, well, yeah, it, anyway. it doesn't change the fact that she's being perceived as kind of like a, now she's a hardliner Trump loyalist sort of thing. And that's, we don't need more of that. We need more of people who are independent thinkers, people who believe in markets, who believe in federalism. Um, and I just don't think. Well, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. You, you, um, worked for the Republican National, mm -hmm. what, which camp, camp or the, the campaign? campaign? I worked National Republican Senatorial Committee. Yeah. So you have been involved in, um, kind of scouting and supporting mm -hmm. candidates in, uh, that run on the, the GOP platform. Um, I guess two questions for you. Uh, what, what would you like to see? And then what do you think you will see? Oh my gosh. I want to see, I want to see a return to free trade. I want right. to see, uh, us move away from isolationism as a foreign policy. Uh, which I think we've been moving more and more into, mm -hmm. uh, sure. especially with pulling troops out of Syria. Uh, well, and I want to see, yeah, no, go ahead. from, well, I mean, just castigating NATO. Uh, yeah, you know, with I, mean, I think today I heard we were canceling drills with South Korea because North Korea mm -hmm. is complaining about them. I mean, what the hell? Anyway, continue. On. I mean, yeah, what I'm hearing is. You were talking about a return to pretty staple GOP principles, um, rather than uh, kind of this this uh, nativist, um, yes. populist message. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, I think that would actually be a return to sort of a more conservative, in a traditional sense, sense uh, platform. But but you know how. How do you how do you recruit people to run on those principles when it almost seems that the more important aspect today is just to be able to do something like trigger the libs? Yeah, well, uh, well, that that sentiment of wanting to own the libs has been there for a long time. Um, I mean, you see it now, like bringing back to 
Elise Stefanik back into this, you know, uh, in that first round of questioning for mm-hmm. Ambassador Yovanovitch last week. Yeah. Um, the way the so for the people who don't know this, but the way the rules work for these proceedings is that the chair of the committee, so Adam Schiff, gets forty five minutes of questions. Him and the council, just those two. He doesn't get to parse out five right. minutes here and there to his membership because they will eventually have their own time to ask questions. And, and then it, it goes on. Yeah. Yeah, and then and, then it goes to the the minority side. So Devin Nunes and gets mm-hmm. he gets forty five minutes with the Republican Council to ask questions. They don't get to parse it out, but of course they tried to get immediately tried to give five minutes to Elise Stefanik, which breaks the rules that were agreed upon before the proceedings began. Right. So you and have Adam written, Schiff they gaveling her down. Then. Yeah. Right. They were written. I, so you had Adam Schiff like trying to gavel down Elise Stefanik and trying to shut her down. And it looks great for the Republicans uh, who are you're saying, look, this guy's trying to shut down a woman, um, mm-hmm. a Republican woman from speaking, even though it wasn't her time to speak. So it was all political theater, all of it. That and whole they, thing they was They immediately political. came out with messaging after it, too. The exactly. Whole thing was planned. You, yeah. You saw the whole thing on Twitter. You saw all the conservative, you know, the quote unquote conservative pundits writing about how, you know, he's shutting her down because she's a woman, because she's a millennial woman. He, Schiff doesn't believe she should be in Congress. And it, it just, it just cascaded from there. Um, or so snowballed from there. It, yeah. So, and yeah. then eventually she got to ask her, her five minutes worth of questions. I mean, and then you know what she did when she had her five minutes? Did you see that? What's that? She didn't even ask any questions. She read yeah. quotes from articles about um, the whistleblower or the need to uh, mm-hmm. to um, interview the whistleblower. So, mm-hmm. like, that's kind of, oh, I'm so outraged. He won't let me ask his questions. Oh, and I don't even have questions. So, um, anyway, that is kind of off topic. But how do you, how do you take and go out and recruit? people, Republicans, people probably more like Ben Sass uh, philosophically or Marco Rubio philosophically, or I don't know. I don't know a lot of the rising st- stars at maybe the state um, level. How do you recruit them to run nationally when we're in this environment that we're in now? It, we can't have Trump be president anymore. So, I mean, I mean, I know it's kind of a simplified answer, but throughout history, parties rally around, they circle the wagons around the president if, if the president's from their political party, regardless of what it means to the party long term. And it's happened with every president going forward. You know, you don't criticize the president if he's from your own party. You know, that's that goes back forever. Um, unfortunately, I don't think anybody anticipated a president like Donald Trump and having to defend him, but whether people like it or not, he's very popular in a lot of these states where Republican senators sit at this point. So if you're seen as not supporting him enough, you're a rhino and you're going to get, um, you're going to get primaried from the right. And you and I were talking about this earlier, all the groups that were out there to support Republicans, they'll be on the scene for a minute. And then all of a sudden, somebody's another group is coming up on their on their side from the right. And it just keeps on pushing more and more to that extreme. Um, And it just it's you can't find thoughtful leaders when people are just rushing to one side of of the spectrum. 
you know, you're never going to find these guys. And all the ones that we had of, you know, we had a whole, we had several and they've all retired. Bob Corker from Tennessee retired. Yeah. Lamar Senator, Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona. We're about to lose, uh, Johnny Isaacson from Georgia is retiring for health reasons. Now he, he is a Trump supporter because he's the president, but he's also a very bipartisan Senator has always worked very well with Democrats and is seen as more of a statesman than anything, but he's stepping away for health reasons. Lamar you know, Alexander, so isn't he retiring too? Lamar Alexander's retiring. And he's another woman who has run a very bipartisan um, committee in the Senate that I used to work on the Senate help committee um, with Patty Murray, Democrat from Washington, and they get along great and they do great work together and they've passed mm -hmm. important legislation together with bipartisan support. Um, and you just don't see that anymore. Uh, and it's, until we have, at least for the Republican side, you're not going to find members who believe in liberty, all, all these things in, together, liberty, markets, federalism, being good stewards of the treasury, which means don't over, don't deficit spend, don't, don't pay for things or don't pass yeah. legislation that you can't possibly pay for. You know, we're now running trillion dollar deficits. Uh, you know, we were complaining about Obama raising the deficit all yeah. eight years he was there in two and a half years, Trump has raised it just as much, if not more. Yeah. And everybody is applauding every time he does something else or every time a really cruddy, you know, spending yeah. plan passes out right. of Congress. Oh, you mean like spending um, uh, billions on a border wall that we don't need? Yeah. Like that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, so tell me as someone who is, you know, I voted for both Republicans and Democrats in my life. And I believe that to have a healthy functioning democracy, you need to have at least two strong parties that are mm -hmm. principled and can have conversation. Tell me as what, tell me something to give me hope that there will be a GOP in the future, whether it's even, is it, it may, may not even be called the GOP, but some tell me there, there will be a, a party that stands for those principles that you mentioned before. Um, like, I mean, should I be optimistic? Should, well, you know, tell me, tell me, give me some hope. It's complicated. I think we can be optimistic, but I don't want to be too optimistic. I want to see what happens when we're two years out of a, of a Trump white house. And, you know, I hope that's coming up soon. I hope we don't have to wait another four and a half years for that to happen or, or five years for that to happen. But we need to see what the party actually does. If it actually takes a look in the mirror, finally, once Trump is out of the white house, you know, part of me even thinks even with impeachment, if he does happen to get impeached, if he does get removed and by some grace of God, Mitch McConnell, you know, doesn't block a vote in the Senate. I don't actually, he can't block a vote in the Senate, but if enough senators, Republican senators finally come out of the, the proverbial closet to vote, mm -hmm. to remove him from office, Maybe Vice President Pence steps in and sort of saves, maybe not the country, but definitely the party, because he is a traditional conservative. I don't, I honestly right. don't think he believes in half of this crap that's coming out of out of the White House. Which is even worse that he doesn't actually believe it, in, in, at least principally. Right. He he's just there for the power. So, which is even worse. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, but I think I think given the opportunity, he might be able to. He could probably steer this thing back. Um, I, I think, I don't, I don't know. I'm not confident in that, but I think that could happen. Um, but I know there are leaders out there. We need young leaders. We need the uh, Pete Buttigieg for the Republican party at some point. We need those guys back. You know, I want to see yeah, more. It seems like all the, 
all the young guys are taking the the heart the far right position but that's what um, we, that's what we need i mean i was talking with or i was texting with uh with ryan mayo about about the podcast and and he made a comment he's like we need to have an age cut off for running for president like if you're over 62 you can't run mm-hmm. um and it's not an ageism thing it's 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 a it's new ideas it's you know old a new way of thinking you know, I, I laugh, I was laughing in like 2015 and 2016 when I, when I would hear interviews about people who were supporting Bernie Sanders and they were like, Oh, he's just so new and fresh. It's like, dude, he's 75 years old and he's been in public. He's been in public life for 40 years. He's not new and fresh. Um, he's been saying the same thing for decades. So uh, that's why I was saying like, we need the younger generation to come up. Unfortunately, I think the younger generation right now, those 22 to, to 28 year olds, they are kind of all caught up in the owning the other side mentality on both the left and the right. But maybe that's what we need to live through a little bit longer to get to a more moderate, uh, traditional place. You're not giving me much, much hope, Pete. Um, you know, I was hoping you could tell me some <laughs> rising stars that, that I can go research and, you know, but, um, there's not many of, I mean, it is good to see. I hope Marco Rubio comes, comes up with something, um, uh, something Bill good Margo? in this. Come on. I know, but this is a guy who was, you know, he was speaker of the Florida house. He wrote, you know, before he ran for Senate, he had a big, he wrote a very, like, uh, a manifesto for lack of a better word on how to, uh, be a conservative or a Republican in Florida. And he's done this sort of thing before. And I think he's, I think his brand isn't so destroyed that he can't talk about this thing and have people listen. Um, well, if Marco is our best hope, I'm not going to hold my breath. That's all. (laughs) We'll find somebody. I promise. Okay. I hope, I hope like Shawshank Redemption. I hope. Um, Cool. Well, that was a good, good, depressing conversation. So how do we like to, how do we like to uh, end a depressing conversation by talking about things we're into? Things we're into. Yep. What are you Um, into? What are you into right now, Howell? So I'm into a lot of things, but I think what I will say is I, as well as my six-year-old son are very into Disney Plus. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard of Disney Plus. It was rolled out with much fanfare this last week um, as a streaming service that will compete with Netflix in advance of its of its um, um, debut. Uh, Disney pulled all of the Marvel and Star Wars from Netflix. And I will just say that my son and I have been thoroughly reviewing the Star Wars over the last weekend. I think their my our PlayStation might be smoking. It was used so much, um, and also uh, the I was able to watch the uh, Marvel Endgame, which I had not seen the end of yet. So um, so far, it has been. A very good purchase. It's only like six bucks a month. Um, and the content is pretty incredible. Um, all that in one place. Uh, and it's got the Simpsons for Simpsons fans as well. So I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so far it has been a very good investment. Um, 
who knows, maybe after we watch uh, Attack of the Clones 32 times, we will cancel it. But I don't see that <laughs> that happening anytime soon for Owen. Um, and so, yeah, that's what I'm into this week. Are you into anything, Pete? So what I'm into, oh God, like you, I'm into a lot of things. Um, I'm going to go with a, with a podcast theme and it's a good one. It's a fun one to listen to. Um, the rewatch, the rewatchables, um, mm. which is, um, it's a ringer podcast. Uh, Bill Simmons is the host. Um, with basically what they do is they go back and they rewatch great movies and then they talk about them for like an hour and, and a half, so which is movies. and not so great movies, but, uh, <laughs> It makes you, they did a great one on Shawshank Redemption and, you know, talking about the best scenes, what scenes still play well today, um, or could still be relevant in movies today. Um, they do Mr. Mom, which came out in the eighties. It's a Michael Keaton movie, which if you've never seen it, it's hilarious. Um, they, but they also did like old school and they do Will Ferrell movies and, um, actually the stepbrothers, um, rewatchables episode is hilarious because they just, they make the argument that it's it's a movie of nothing but one-liners. There's really no <laughs> plot other than the fact that it's just a movie of one-liners, but it worked somehow. It, it um, works. Yep. So if you have if you got a long drive and you know you got an hour, they're all between like an hour and twenty, hour and thirty minutes. It's pretty long, but you'll you'll just laugh your ass off if you find one of the especially one of the comedies that they do. They do do serious movies. They did like The Town, um, The Departed. Uh, they did The Departed. So they'll they did The Shining. Um, but they, it's, it's hilarious. So the, the rewatchables just search for that on wherever you get your podcasts, um, and give it a, give her a listen. I like that. So cool. Well, uh, yeah, we should listen. Yep. Cool. Well, thanks man. This was a good, uh, this was a good time. I wish, uh, I wish we could have had ended the, uh, the political stuff, the the post GOP stuff on a, on a higher note, but yeah, confidence is high. I just don't know what that means yet that we're going to be, that the GOP is going to be okay, but it has not revealed itself yet. I'll, I'll have to put my faith in you there, Pete. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, that was fun. Um, let's do it again sometime soon. Definitely. Until then, where are we going? Until then we're going to the casino. Bye everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode three of the Politics and Bros podcast. This was recorded on Monday, November 18th. Look for us on the next one. And like we said at the end of the show, we're going to the casino.